Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So let us begin. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, we saw Star Wars Episode Eight, and we decided before Episode Nine comes out, we're going to have to do a podcast. <laughs> we're we're going to have to find a way to to create a utility for all of these endless Star Wars musings and conversations and theorizings that we're doing together to the annoyance of our families at Sunday dinner. Uh, we're going to have to find a place to stash all of this conversation making. That was 80-some episodes of the podcast ago. And uh, in, in formatting the podcast, we decided... We were going to break each Star Wars movie down into roughly 20-minute installments, call them 20s, and deeply scrutinize those 20s week to week. And so we went through those eight Star Wars movies. And then there were two Star Wars adjacent in-universe films, as you know, that we covered as well. And we covered the first season of Disney Plus's first Star Wars live-action TV series. And we covered the eventual release of Star Wars Episode Nine, which was what the whole thing was leading up to anyway. And there was a lot of emotions had over that movie. And here we are, 80-some episodes of the podcast later, ostensibly without anything else to cover, canonically. Um, uh, within reason, yeah. Within reason. We don't want to you know, dive into 10, epi- 10 seasons of animated TV shows um, or, or novels. That, I mean, the Star Wars Book Club podcast is kind of a neat idea, but maybe not on this particular uh, forum. Uh, mm. And so if we want to continue discussing uh, Star Wars in its purest, Star Wars in its fundamentals, we kind of had to like uh, reformat what we wanted to do uh, with the podcast from here on. And so we came up with a new segment we'd like to introduce today uh, as kind of the inaugural episode of Recorder 66 Phase 2, and that segment is called 6 and 6, Recorder 6 and 6. We're just going to get really personal about Star Wars and come up with a top six list, or in some cases a bottom six list, uh, each of us, uh, week by week, and uh, not reveal them to each other until we're actually on the podcast so we have an opportunity to uh, really chat things out. Does that sound good? does Does it feel to you like I have introduced this thoroughly? Yeah, I think absolutely. Whether it's a top six, a favorite six, a bottom six, a specialized six that is within uh, a particular movie or a particular uh, uh, time period uh, or within the Skywalker saga as a whole or with Star Wars as a whole, uh, within reason, knowing that um, I know a few more of the nooks and crannies and corners of the Star Wars universe. But yeah, absolutely. I think this is a great way of kind of uh, looking through all the things that we've looked at in the past, we've analyzed Star Wars from uh, the movie perspective, and then of course from the perspective of uh, installments in the twenties. Uh, but this really allows you to take a bit more of a comparative approach uh, when you look at kind of all those nooks and crannies uh, as kind of a, in a bit of a macro view, and then really picking out the highlights, the things that stood out, especially if you're going through and highlighting everything in such a micro fashion it really allows you to put some stake up against some other things and uh maybe something that you thought before was one of your favorite things in star wars uh maybe over a little bit of time you're like wow i mean i still love that but 
I mean, look at all this other stuff that I discovered uh, on kind of a later viewing of Star Wars or because we spent so much time analyzing it, the occasional uh, quote, for example, that you never would have expected to come from some random character on the side, but becomes an important quote in Star Wars. Remarkable, so, by the way, and just without without getting ahead of ourselves, remarkable how many times I, I, I found a quote today from Star Wars, a character who doesn't essentially matter at all, but they just got the wonderful honor of saying something amazing in Star Wars, and I've, I find that to be so interesting. So this is essentially a deeper retrospect on the, the, the Star Wars we've already reviewed extensively. We're also going to try our best to create a little Star Wars forward perspective uh, in a new segment we've created called Never Ending Saga, which we haven't exactly worked out. We're going to workshop that towards the end of the podcast. Uh, without further ado, I invite uh, listeners of Recorder 66 to try their best to list their top six favorite Star Wars quotes. And we came up with a couple of loose ground rules for uh, how we wanted to put this together, although it's it's pretty free forum. Mm. Um it's nice if you can kind of pay some homage to to all the trilogies, but it's it's certainly not uh, requisite. Essentially, this is not uh, a discussion of the most iconic or the most significant quotes. Certainly not no. the most famous quotes, the or even the best quotes. Because, I mean, you could definitely make the case that "No, I am your father" is among the most important lines in film history. Yeah. Um, but that's not the discussion we're having. The lines that speak to you and to you alone. Uh, so essentially, there are no wrong answers in this discussion. But it would be nice when you present your answer if you could provide a little bit of uh, explanation as to why this line speaks to you. Even if it's as simple as, I don't know, I just love it. I just love the way it sounds. Uh, and so is that a good place to start? I think absolutely. I think let's uh, dive into some of those six and six, some of the top six. All right. So my name is Colin Sweets, and my sixth favorite Star Wars quote occurs as the Millennium Falcon and our heroes are entering the atmosphere of Takodana, and Rey whispers to herself, I didn't know there was this much green in the whole galaxy. I didn't know there was this much green in the whole galaxy. This takes place in Star Wars The Force Awakens. Uh, and this quote to me, just describes the wonder of Star Wars in general. Mm. We, the audience, are always, through all nine of these movies, uh, seeing the breadth of this universe through the naive eyes of our desert native heroes. Uh, this is when Star Wars is at its best, I think, when we're learning how grand and nourishing our adventures can be. And so I think that line is great for Ray, but it's great for all of us. And I think it's beautifully said. Oh, absolutely. That's definitely uh, on the list that I gleaned uh, in terms of all of my favorite quotes from Star Wars. Uh, it's not on my top six, but it's such a phenomenal quote. It really um, tells you a lot about the character and it makes you just connect and feel for the character as well. Uh, but like you said, it does put us in the hero's journey perspective and it's consistent with all the other heroes of Star Wars. They are these people who uh, yearn for the bigger picture, even though Ray does yearn to go home. She yearns for her, her family, not to be on Jakku. Um, why does everybody want to go back to Jakku? Uh, so, but that's an important thing, and we are constantly amazed by the galaxy far, far away. And I think that that's a, such an important part. And I think uh, when you look at it from all those different angles, uh, it's a really powerful quote. And it's nice to to have that there. It's nice to have one uh, 
from Ray, and it's uh, it was one of the earlier parts. It was one of the first things we saw from Disney film, um, and that was just after we were ba- introduced back to Han Solo. It's a very, very uh, just heartwarming half an hour of uh, of Star Wars. Han plays a really important silent role in that scene that you and I have discussed on the podcast before about mm. how he really is there to. Uh, help us understand how sad the line is when it's spoken by Ray. And it is. I mean, it's hopeful, too. It's an optimistic line for all of us. It's sad because of the history it comes with where Ray has, she's, I mean, it's it's not in my top six, but a few minutes later, uh, Maz Kanata says something to her to the effect of um, the the belonging you seek is not behind you. It's it's ahead of you. And, and so, like, she is wayward and lost here. And so that's that's present in this line of dialogue. Um, to and us, it's, 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 it's okay because we did know there was this much green in the whole galaxy, yet it still kind of represents the adventure we have ahead of us here at the beginning of this new trilogy. Absolutely. And I think the Han's reaction, uh, is taken potentially maybe a little bit away from the fact that I think it's pretty hard to watch the force awakens and not think he knows who Ray is. Interesting. Uh, and, uh, it doesn't make any sense for him to know who Ray is. Well, um, he wouldn't in theory. No. But it really seems like he does know who Ray is. Who's the girl? Maz says to him, and uh, the look that he gives, almost guilty and like feeling bad, like feels bad for her, but also like, oh, fuck, like this is my. Remember what he says to Luke? Uh, another phenomenal uh, quote. Like I used to live here. Remember, you're gonna die here. <laughs> so, do you think that the original plan was for her not to be? We don't need to litigate Rise of Skywalker no, forever, I know. but was the original plan not to make her Palpatine's granddaughter? Who knows? I there's guess. a lot of there's a lot of hints that say yes, and a lot of hints that say no. Uh, it just it, it veers all over the place, and there's certainly some some inconsistency, or maybe he's I don't know. Maybe we're sub- Luke and Leia end up knowing Ray was a Palpatine. But we don't know how they know or when they know. So maybe Han did know, but that's maybe a a story for another day. Ross, what is your as Matt would say? What is your sixth favorite Star Wars quote? Uh, I am also uh, sticking with uh, the sequel trilogy on this one, uh, and this one is this one's an important quote. And I do have to say that uh, I felt there's times, certainly in the Last Jedi, where they go to try and make a quote iconic, and it's not. Right. Um, and I, however, I also think that the Last Jedi does have some of the very best quotes in all of Star Wars, and it was backed up thoroughly by my search here. Um, but is at my number six, uh, from good old Luke Skywalker, no one's ever really gone. I held out hope for so long, but I know my son's gone. No one's ever really gone. I think it's a very, very important quote for Star Wars. Uh, it harkens back to, um, Owen and Beru. And how they were important in raising Luke to be a very good person in kind of a loving background. Obi-Wan sacrificing himself, but being there for Luke immediately, telling him to run, and then helping him uh, take out the Death Star, and then guiding him to, to Yoda. Uh, Yoda then coming back to, to see Luke, guiding him back on kind of the right path to go see his sister, um, i.e. him not being truly gone. Uh, Luke saying goodbye to Leia, reminding her that although Han's dead, Han will live on in the legacy of their son and everybody else, and that he was basically going out to, on a suicide mission saying, sorry, but I'm also going to. Um, and it really goes to show that also someone like Ben is not 
ever really gone too far as a person either. And so it doesn't even need to just extend beyond death uh, and the legacy that someone has, uh, but also the ability for somebody to to come around on something, the ability for right to actually win out uh, and have somebody not triple down, double, double down, triple down, um, and have that kind of pride getting in their way. I mean, this the, the premise of, of someone staying with you after they have, you know, left this mortal coil... Uh, as it were, it, it, I mean that's that's hundreds of years old in storytelling, and it's it's so literally present even in our very first dosage of Star Wars and yeah. New Hope when Luke sees Ben Kenobi quote unquote die, and then he hears his voice while he's flying that X-wing fighter before the end of the movie, and so this is before the viewer knows that uh, forced ghosting is a thing. Yep. Uh, it might be before George Lucas knew that force ghosting was a thing, although I, I tend to not give him enough credit uh, in, in his foresight. Um, and probably in that moment, people are just like, oh, I've seen that before. And, and it's kind of like if, I don't know, Uncle Ben were to come to Peter Parker because he needed uh, a little yeah. support. We see this in sitcoms. It works anywhere, honestly, because it's always touching. And um, it's present in Rise of Skywalker, of course, in a new form not as a force ghost, but through the memory of Han Solo. And and so I do think it's it's um, fundamental in Star Wars. I think it's an excellent pick. Yeah, and also important to Luke as well, because even Luke, like, he still is the hero, the legend. And so even though he gave that up, he's still able to to rise back up to that occasion. And even the Luke Skywalker of before, he's not gone either. And so it's also that message of hope to Leia uh, and the rest of the resistance because they sure should need it. And that's really the main theme of that movie. It's a really nice segue into my number five. This happens in most people's favorite Star Wars movie uh, when Luke tells, actually, no, I guess it was in uh, Return of the Jedi, which is not most people's favorite, but it's a great one. Luke tells um, Yoda, Master Yoda, you can't die. And Yoda says, strong I am with the force, but not that strong. Twilight is upon me and soon night must fall. That is the way of things. That is the way of the force. Um, I think it's an underrated Yoda quote, if only because uh, it's longer and less catchy than than some of uh, his previous greats. Uh, but here, the great Jedi Master Yoda uh, reminds us that people are but a part of nature, which is very thematic in most of uh, Yoda's great quotes. Um, he's reminding us that to resist the fact that we're nature uh, is kind of to resist every other fate that's ever been realized. Additionally, and you know, I kind of, I mentioned a little Shakespeare a second ago, the poetry of this particular speech uh, in its longer form, I mean, he mentions forever sleep, and this is reminiscent of oh. Hamlet's iconic to be or not to be soliloquy. And so it's just, it's Yoda at his best and and it's and it's beautiful. And sometimes we're a little, we're, we get a little bit frivolous about uh, puppet Yoda, um, crazy Yoda, um, but he's, oh. he says some of his best lines in those movies. Absolutely. I deeply struggled to not make five or like <laughs> six of my six Yoda quotes. Right. Uh, that was one that was right on the cusp. Um, and the one right following it, uh, like you said, forever sleep earned it. I have. Yeah. Um, I think that that's uh, a wonderful, wonderful quote. Uh, what does he say specifically? It's also charming because he's like, when 900 years old, you reach not look so good. Will you? And he's so he's still being his sweet and quirky self, which just it's the full package of Yoda at that moment. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
Soon did I have. Soon I will rest here. Um, but yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of really phenomenal underrated Yoda quotes. Um, we can get into some of the more other ones later. But that one is phenomenal. It's it's part of the a couple ones from him and a couple ones from Obi-Wan that are truly uh, talking about the nature of the Force, uh, but also about how that's just an allegory like for how the nature of life and the nature of everything. And how that uh, is also really well explained by Luke in The Last Jedi when he's teaching it to Rey. Um, not so much great specific lines there, but uh, it is a really good scene in terms of um, kind of imparting that uh, circle of life knowledge. And yeah, Yoda is, especially at the very, very end of his life, um, there's a lot of weight behind those words. A right. lot of weight. And we get that metaphor again in The Last Jedi. Uh, if, if the Force is itself nature... Luke is essentially trying to burn down nature when he burns down literally a tree. Mm -hmm. What he's really trying to do is dismantle the memory of the Jedi. And so it all yeah. kind of comes back to the same theme. Absolutely. Uh, different theme for my five. Um, very, very different part of Star Wars, but also incredibly fundamental since the very, very, very beginning. Uh, but this coming during a time when uh, people didn't necessarily look upon Star Wars with the fondest of light, uh, <laughs> but one of, and also this character having some of the worst lines in Star Wars. Uh, but my five comes from uh, Senator Padme Amidala. Yeah. Uh, and that would be, so this is how liberty dies with thunderous applause. Yo, this line is amazing. In order to ensure the security and continuing stability, the Republic be reorganized into the first galactic empire for a safe and secure society. So this is how liberty dies. With thunderous applause. It is so impactful. It cuts deep on so many layers throughout history and reflecting on current times as well uh, and just the political landscape uh, and the ability for people who have who so-called claim to re represent an entire system or to speak on behalf of their people are so quick to potentially sell them out for a dollar or so easily manipulated by somebody who... Uh, is creating positive circumstance for the few uh, and creating suffering for everyone else. People not being able to look at the big picture, but really just seeing kind of the, the, the surface level bureaucracy and not like what's just unfolding in front of their very eyes. The fact that, okay, this is not where we were a couple of years ago. This clone, like, well, look at this. This is the guy who started it is still at, like, it, it's at the breaking point where the rebellion is starting. And then they go to a meeting and as opposed to it kind of going any worse, it's like, oh, great. Well, now we're going to become a, a, an empire. It's, 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 it's actually gotten worse. This is uh, unbelievable, but is a, it's a phenomenal reflection on the state of the galaxy that we see in the first half an hour of A New Hope with that boardroom meeting and how um, Tarkin says – uh, that uh, the Senate will no longer be uh, of any issue to us. The Emperor dissolved it um, earlier this morning or something like that. I forget the exact wording of that, but it goes to show that's the starting point 
And that's said from, from Padme, one of the founders of the Rebellion. And then we get to that same point when we first start Star Wars. It's very great for George Lucas on those bookending points um, and also impactful from seeing the way Darth Vader watches it all happen. He's somebody who's just a complete, complete bystander through it all. You know, I, I think that we get caught up a lot in conversations about how pacing is uh, poorly handled in Star Wars. Certainly we talked about that with Rise of Skywalker. And in this movie you're discussing in particular, it is Revenge of the Sith, right? When, when yes. she says thunderous applause. Um, of course, there is some pacing problems with the, with the fall of Anakin. Um, but maybe something that George paced better than anything else is his slow build of the rise of the evil Reich, which we don't really mm. get to see over film series very often just because it's so ambitious to show a peaceful Republic being slowly um, just annihilated by a, like an internal insidious uh, disease. And, and it's, and it's, it's paced phenomenally. And yes, it's, it's stamped with that perfect piece of dialogue that could be honestly airlifted into just about any movie that it suits and it would always stand out as as poetry absolutely and it also goes to reflect as well kind of that transformation and something that i didn't appreciate as a little kid is the similarities and the slow progression from the phantom menace uh through attack of the clones to revenge of the sith to where the galaxy is uh in the empire state but the starship design uh, the blaster choices, uh, armor choices. And like, it, it's, it's amazing to see that like Obi-Wan's armor, uh, used during the clone wars, uh, has huge reflections of stormtroopers because he was leading a clone army. Right. And so that makes a ton of sense. The clones evolve more into the stormtrooper look from episode two to episode three. Um, uh, I didn't really notice that as a kid, how much more that they look and how the different kind of factions break out with some of them even looking even even more like the the Imperial Stormtroopers. The Star Destroyers and their design, um, Anakin and Obi-Wan's fighters looking like precursors to X, uh, sorry, to TIE fighters. Um, it, it's, it's really interesting to see that transformation under the same leadership as well and how that person is just, it's, I mean, Palpatine was evil going into it, but the rest of the galaxy wasn't, yet people like... Um, uh, Admiral Yularen, who is uh, the white-haired guy with the mustache in uh, A New Hope, uh, in the boardroom scene, uh, he's a great guy, like in the Clone Wars, and he he fights for the Republic, but he joins the Empire because he's a military man, and that's the progression of the world. It's not even necessarily it doesn't switch on the dime to them. It may seem that way to us a little bit, and it does a little bit with Order 66, but at the same time, it is also that slow progression, too. So. You know, you make up a good point. When I was, like, combing through so many Star Wars quotes today, I stumbled onto a quote that, uh, it's just half of a quote, by, of all people, DJ in The Last Jedi, who I will not pay too much dignity to, I promise. Although he mm. does kind of... Uh, it's a couple of good quotes. Yeah, he, he slitherly says... Uh, good guys, bad guys, made up words. And I think I think that kind of applies to what you're saying right now because it's so easy for us to be like, well, the well, Palpatine looks scary, so he's bad. And also, of course, he's bad. But like the Empire is bad when it is more complicated than that. Like, yeah, it, they're called rebels because they're not following the rules. And, and, mm -hmm. and of course, there's lots of historical instance uh, right up until yesterday of uh of the rules not necessarily being right but good and bad is is almost oversimplifying this tremendously rich universe and and i think um 
Do you, do you imagine that when Natalie Portman got her script for Revenge of the Sith, she looked down and she was like, oh, thank God I get to say something good in this movie. I probably not. <laughs> uh, she was probably looking through the other ones and was just like, seriously, I have to say, no, I love you more. Uh, so love has made you blind. Right. Seriously. <laughs> right. That's, that is not good. It's not good. Well, I have to say, uh, Padme is not in my top 20 favorite characters in Star Wars. Anakin is in my top two favorite characters in Star Wars. Padme's got a, a quote in my top six. Okay. Anakin has just riddled my bottom six. So <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. It's, yeah. Okay. Well, I got a bit of a twist for you coming up, but first I'm going to get to my fourth favorite Star Wars quote, which happens at the end of Return of the Jedi. Vader, having turned back into Anakin Skywalker, is defeated. He's on mm. the ground and he softly says to Luke, just for once, let me look upon you with my own eyes. Just for once, let me look on you with my own eyes. And this line reminds us, I think, uh, behind the mask of Vader, mm. the loving person Anakin that he was like right from the first time we met him and then all through those first three movies, that is the, the prequels, always loving. Uh, that guy was erased and without the mask, He's not only a person who's able to love once again, he's a person who's capable of death. He's human mm. again. And as, as Yoda reminds us, that's the way of things. It's ultimately, I think, a really beautiful, uh, if tragic, resolution for the longing that he's experienced to love somebody and be loved back. And this is exactly the same thing for Luke. And so mm. it's it's a frail moment, um, but it's it's deeply human. And I think it's it's a beautiful line to hear said by James Earl Jones in Star Wars because he only ever says menacing things. And it's the, like, help me take this mask off. And it's yeah. like the, uh, it's the last thing he says. Yep. And then it's, uh, it's Sebastian. So, um, yeah, no, that's, it's a very, very powerful moment. Uh, Vader is imprisoned literally in that uniform. Uh, and so the ability to take the mask off, but you'll die. Uh, there's nothing that's going to stop that now, but um, of course, it's something that he he doesn't care about that. He's he's let go, and in doing so, that's one of the things that also allows him to uh, become one with the Force and become a Force ghost. And um, by actually returning to to Anakin in that regard, it's a moment that that gives him some closure and some peace. Um, I actually kind of want to quickly just jump to my four because they're pretty close. <laughs> okay, well then, then just let me say, uh, yeah. lastly, that uh, I, I think what maybe pushes him over the edge back into good is is looking at his son having you know completed the prophecy or however you want to term it, um, and you know that's 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 basic fundamental. Dad is proud of son, and so I, I think he's I think he's saying like, look at all I've wasted. I want yeah. I want to be your dad, even if it kills me. I'm going to be your dad for the next thirty seconds. Okay, I'm going right into mine. Then. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, my number four is uh, the inverse of that, um, and I mean, I've, I, Luke is always Luke's amazing. Luke's the hero's journey, but Luke was never my my favorite character as a kid. But right. this was one of my favorite Luke moments, and and my favorite Luke line definitely as a kid, um, and it is never. I'll never turn to the dark side. You failed, your highness. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. And that is exactly what you just said. That is the line of him throwing the lightsaber away, doing like 
I mean, Anakin was always aggressive, but this is the the most. This is this is a really Padme and Anakin thing. This is their child. This is very clearly their child. The most pacifistic, ballsy thing in the world, just walking right up into the Emperor and saying, "Like, do it. I dare you." And like, but also in saying that, "Do it. I dare you." I know you fucked my father years ago, but guess what? I'm still on his side and we're still going to beat you. Right. I know you want me to just kill him right now. We ju- I just proved you I just proved it to everyone. I just proved it to everyone you were willing to get rid of him. You all you care about is power and anger. I just won. It doesn't matter. I don't need to strike you down. I'm throwing this away. We are the Jedi. We are right. You are wrong. And it doesn't matter what lightning you're going to unleash on me next. And that is so much to Vader because Vader has never been able to stand up to Palpatine. It's the one thing he's never been able to do. And Luke, his son, does it in the way, it does it in a way that isn't like threatening to kill him. Vader had plotted to kill Palpatine plenty, Mm -hmm. but this is someone who's not trying, like he's, he beats him by doing nothing. And he knows how much that pisses off Palpatine because he knows all Palpatine wants is a better replacement than Vader ever could be either. And so it's just Luke just completely wins in every way. It's the most Star Wars-y thing. It's, it's, it's one of the most it, – it, it, it is the pinnacle of, of Star it's, it's one of the most – it's one of the best moments in Star Wars, but it might be the most Star Wars-y moment in Star Wars. Um, and in a wonderful, 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 wonderful way. Because I don't remember a point in time uh, not having seen the entire original trilogy. And when you think of Star Wars, this is one of the things that just immediately comes to your mind. And this line in particular stands out so much for me. I mean, it does really cover all of the important bases, that line, because it's about, you know, good rising above evil. It's about lineage. Mm. It's about destiny. And it's and it's it brings about, the whole story together. It's about being better than we used to be. Uh, and mm-hmm. and that's, I think, a theme in Star Wars as well, if a subtle one. And so that's that's a fabulous choice. I also think there's something that adds color to that line when he calls him your highness, which is mm-hmm. not, a, for some reason, it's not really a term that the emperor gets very often. And I don't even think it's really like sarcastic. I think it's he just like, him that a couple times. these are the facts. You might be your highness, but mm-hmm. you are wrong. And yeah. and it just, it colors the line uh, in an amazing way. Absolutely. And I mean, I will, uh, let's see if I can find it quickly. Yes, uh, it's it's one of the ones I have as, as an honorable mention, but I got to mention now, um, the Emperor's line. Good, I can feel your anger. I am defenseless. Take your weapon. Strike me down with all of your hatred and your journey to the dark side will be complete. It, it's, 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 just, it's the taunting. It's everything. Oh, I'm sure. I I'm afraid a deflector shield will be quite operational when your <laughs> friends arrive. It is unavoidable. It is your destiny. You, like your father, are now mine. Like these, like just taunting things where mm. it's just like Luke's like, no, I know you said that to him, but no, no, darkness doesn't win. <laughs> Great. A great choice. Now, listen, uh, I want to go to my number three. I have a I have a suspicion and I, I could be wrong. I have a suspicion this is going to show up in your top three as well. And and if if it falls higher on your list than three, we can just move right past it and and go to your number three and we can talk about it more in detail when it arrives on your list, unless it doesn't. OK. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my number three, my third favorite Star Wars quote is one we talked about time and time again. 
a heartbroken Obi-Wan shouts down to a destroyed Anakin on the fiery shores of Mustafar. You were the chosen one! It was said that you would destroy this and not join them! Bring balance to the Force, not leave it in darkness! says you were my brother anakin i loved you that's my number three too hey we did it (laughs) we synced up as brothers (laughs) yeah now i will uh that is i had to view it as different from a moment and end quote i i did view it distinctly differently there that's why i cut Um, it down into just you were my brother anakin i loved you that's the part that really stands out to me that that to me is the saddest line delivery in the entire series uh, it speaks, I think, not only to Obi-Wan's mm-hmm. heartbreak, but his uh, his grave disappointment in himself, in his brother Anakin, and just in the wills of the Force in general. Like, how mm-hmm. in the world can evil so prevail in this moment? Uh, the reading is laced with um, exhaustion. It's almost like he's not just sad. He's like, after all this, I am tired, and this is where we're going to end up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a brilliant interpretation of of how it would feel to uh, to witness the truth of a failing virtue because the fact is um sometimes good doesn't win and i think it's important that's that's here in star wars as well especially since we know this isn't the end of the story um yeah i know i'm actually trying to do a quick look up um to to see what it is but specifically it's also like the last conversation they had together positively was like you are uh, a greater jedi than i would ever be uh, you'll be on the council soon enough, and I am very proud of you. And like, it's it's like this wonderful, wonderful moment of brothers. And then there's the taunting earlier, and be like, Anakin, you were the hero today, um, and uh, I've saved you ten times, nine times. That uh, that incident on Cato Nemoidia doesn't count. And like little things, like it, they they maybe cram a little into it, but the more times you watch Revenge of the, Revenge of the Sith, the more that scene hurts. The more their friendship and the more you watch the Clone Wars, it adds to it tremendously more. But like he was told not to. Ever since Qui-Gon died, everything in Qui-Gon was told not to. And he's constantly had this one, like Anakin's been up against this wall, and he's been one of the only people saying, not nah, not true. No, nah, Anakin is great. Uh, I mean, he may be hard to handle, but he's great. And then he does exactly the the, the the biggest worst thing that he possibly could do and he's just left completely he he's, he's broken he, he doesn't get it and he even says to yoda like send me to palpatine i i can't kill anakin i can't do it and right. he, he even gets to this position where it's like okay don't try it he doesn't even want to and he but he's forced to just cut off his limbs to stop it and then she's screaming at him because he's like i you just made me kill my brother yeah, you're not you're not Anakin anymore. You're this weird this this thing. And why are you doing this to my brother? That's what he's saying when he says you were the chosen one, Anakin, with such upset. He's basically mm-hmm. saying, "What a waste!" Like yeah. you, like you had it all friggin' set up, dude. How could you mm-hmm. go and throw it all away like that? 
um and and that's it's why it's i mean it's an extraordinary acting moment they're so lucky to have you and mcgregor in those movies. i know it was said that you would destroy the sith not join them it was you who would bring balance to the force not leave it in darkness mm. i mean like really like you were supposed to save us you were supposed to get rid of the sith and instead you you just started the jedi purge i i, I literally have i i had to watch a video of you killing children I just had to tell the mother of your unborn kids that you're a mass murderer now. And a couple like av hours ago, everything was okay. Yeah. I know you've always like, but seriously, everything, it, it got to that bad of a tipping point. Like, and he's just so, he just doesn't get it. And like, even at the very end, he's trying to get it. Like Anakin, I have failed you. Um, and like, um, well, in my point of view, the Jedi are evil. Like, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's a different person. And Obi-Wan just doesn't get how all that could have happened right under his nose. And he's also screaming at himself, too. Well, that's it. It's a striking moment because Obi-Wan almost always knows the answer, or at least he has mm -hmm. some kind of perspective and wisdom about what we're experiencing now, whether he's giving it to Luke or Anakin. I mean, I guess he's naive in Phantom Menace, which is a little forced, and that's fine. But for the most mm. part, it's, certainly in this dynamic, he has always been... He's always been one step ahead. He knows what's happening. But in this moment, he's just at a loss for words. So he's like, what the hell did you do? Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, you were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. It's like, I trusted you. Mm -hmm. I defended you. I trained you. I did what Qui-Gon asked. This? Mm -hmm. After all this? And so, you know, it's... Uh, and even like instances, like even all the times you saved my life, now you're trying to kill me? What? Like we just, like, it, it, it's, it's so, so powerful. And as one of the last moments of George Lucas's uh, Star Wars, uh, it is so deeply tragic, um, but a, a phenomenal entry point into, into Darth Vader. Absolutely. We good for that one? I would say so. Okay. My second favorite and, and, uh, once we're getting into these weeds like it's i don't know uh, my mood could shift with the wind but of course. I, but today when i made this list this one this one spoke to me it always has uh and this character belongs uh, i think in in your top six list um this happens in certainly almost everybody's favorite star wars movie han says to leia as he tells her he's leaving on hoth gets minimal emotional response well don't get all mushy on me so long princess well, your highness, guess this is it. That's right. Don't get all mushy on me. So long, princess. Hi. Yes, your highness. It's like in 11 short words, this line. I think it's even, it's more effective than the famous I love you, I know, and its ability to distill the dynamic between Han and Leia. It also covers, I think... Everything you need to know about Captain Solo, it is confident but irritable. It's detached but impatient. It's caring, but it's also really insecure about where he stands with this woman who he loves and he hates that he loves her in this yes. moment. It's it, it it just also kind of sets on fire what eventually becomes the sexiest romantic tension ever in a single adventure movie. And then they go on yeah. and have like a big screaming match and it's just it's fantastic. Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, that's a good story. I think you just can't bear to let a gorgeous guy like me out of your sight and laugh it up, fuzzball. But you didn't see us alone in the South Passage. 
And like the, it's just like it's this taunting, but that's one of the the, the earlier ones for sure. And and you're right, you, you distilled that down greatly. It's uh, it's Han kind of being a little at a loss for words there, and uh, and he's very frustrated by the entire circumstance because of course he's trying to get a big ride. He he, he he's like that's probably half the reason he's leaving. Yeah, because it takes him forever to leave. He doesn't leave quickly. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the whole goddamn point. She yells at him a little bit because it's like he almost gets captured by a bounty hunter on another mission. And I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough because so much of what's phenomenal about Han and Leia is they're exchanging, is the dialogue back and forth. Um, it's the, would it help if I got out and pushed? And I love the, that, by the way. It's so that good. That is so good. Yeah. Uh, I just as soon kiss a Wookiee. That can be arranged. Uh, absolutely. Just that there are, they have so, and, and like you said, one of like everybody's favorite empire. Um, it's so greatly because the, the Han and Leia love story kicks all the other love story parts of Star Wars ass by it a does. landslide. It does. It's the best uh, romantic uh, movie in all of Star Wars. Also, it has some of the best kind of philosophies in Star Wars with Yoda. And it has some of the best action in Star Wars. So, of course, it's it's some of everybody's favorites, but uh, it really checks the box, and that's a that's a that's an interesting one. That's a really interesting choice uh, to be as your number two. I, I I really mean it, and it's just the way his tone shifts so quickly. Like, don't get all mushy on me, princess. This is really where the taunting you're talking about begins, because before that, mm. he wasn't exactly being mushy himself, but he was really being. He was telling her he was leaving. He was being as sincere and vulnerable as he was capable of being in that moment. Yes. And he didn't he didn't get anything more. I think he yeah. wanted to because she's the girl. He thought yeah. he thought that she would be like, oh, don't go or whatever and be all sad and hug him or whatever. Yeah, that he's was never like, going to happen. Princess, this is it or something. I forget what he says. Uh, yeah, I think so. it's something as simple as that. And he's, yeah. he's tr- I guess he's trying. We know that he can do better. He grows. Um, yeah. But uh, he grows in this very movie. Uh, but that's kind of where the tides turn and he just bails. And then the next scene, it's a cut scene, but it's still their scene because she's following and she says, Han. And then they have this phenomenal banter. It's just the start of that great moment. Yeah, absolutely. And like the whole thing about like the leaders and like, oh, we need good leaders. And he's just like, ah, ha, ha. <laughs> he's like pointing. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like we'll get to this list somewhere down the road, but. Um, everything that happens on Hoth is some of my favorite Star Wars stuff. Yes, Hoth it's incredible. is just it rules. That whole goddamn movie. Bingo, bingo. Okay, your second favorite Star Wars quote. Alrighty, we are sticking with the same movie. Okay, um, but from uh, our little green friend. Sure. Uh, and it would be no, no different. Only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned. Okay. I think it's one of the most important lines. It's one of the things that is just an important thing, uh, just in general. But the amount of times in which uh, what you already know and uh, kind of your preconceived notions or your thoughts on something or the way that your mind kind of wanders down a path without necessarily gathering all the information that you can or seeing the forest for the trees or the specifics of why you're doing what you're doing uh, and it goes into so many other things that Luke and and Yoda talk together about. Um, and I think it's very important with another interaction that they have that wasn't a, a single line, uh, but I thought I could kind of tie it to that one as well. But it's Luke saying, "I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't believe it." And Yoda says, 
that is why you fail. I know. I, I considered putting that, in fact, in my top six list because it's I, so I did telling. Too, but it, it was one that I felt that this was a better one to put in. Um, and it's also something that's important to me in my career as well uh, and about not necessarily going with your assumptions but really learning from uh, the responses of others and, and the way that um, different kind of behaviors of people can change and what truly can motivate behavior change. Uh, and that's what Yoda's trying to do. He's trying to teach Luke to kind of start from zero. I mean, the, one of the biggest things he said was, he's too old. I don't want to train him because he's too old. And so the reason, why is he too old? Well, he's potentially too old because he's become ingrained in a certain way. And that's the reason as to why George Lucas makes Star Wars for 12-year-olds. Mm -hmm. It's because these are important lessons. These are the kind of lessons that you need to understand and take a fundamental uh, attachment to at a young age so that it is ingrained in you as a person. Yeah. There are certain things that, uh, like, when you when you spell out Anakin's logic, it, like, as much as it doesn't necessarily translate that way on the screen, his logic isn't necessarily that flawed. Uh, it's instances of selfishness versus selflessness and how you have to analyze that in circumstance and then how you also, I mean, of course, have to take care of yourself, but... Also looking at kind of the big picture in that um, in that respect as well. So I think it's an important line for why Star Wars is Star Wars, um, why the Jedi um, need to be kind of blank slates, um, and the importance of your experience, but also not letting experience uh, cloud your future. Always in motion, the future is. Right. And so, uh, I think that that's another thing that's also incredibly important. And I think this is one of the real crux lines that a lot of Yoda's, uh, fundamental teachings do come back to. Beautiful. And so, yeah, Yoda, uh, he, uh, it was, it was, it was hard not to fill the list up with Yoda quotes, but, uh, this was, was truly one that I felt was the one from empire that, uh, I have actually I have a sweater with this quote on it. Um, it's one of my it's one of my favorites. I don't have a whole lot to add to what you said. I think you said it perfectly. I uh, everything Yoda, literally everything that comes out of his mouth matters. Like I don't mm -hmm. think I don't really know that there's any takebacks in terms of Yoda quotes. Um, no. and, and because he's so unique as a character in all things, and because it, just his his way of talking is so specific it kind of allows for him to get away with stuff that other characters might not be able to get away with, but because oh, he's definitely. just a vessel for wisdom, he's, he's just somebody to, to attach to. And it's like I mentioned before, some of his more intricate nuanced quotes kind of get like lost by the wayside just because it's so easy to remember. There is no try. Um, mm. But, but yeah, that's a, that's a tremendous one. And I, in particular, I really like that is why you fail after the X-wing fighter in the swamp. Yeah, absolutely. That is such a, an, an essential one as well. And I mean, that the entire sequence is that I, I love, I love Hoth. I love Bespin, but Dagobah's my favorite, um, planet, like plot line that occurs on a planet in a movie of Star Wars. So before we get to our number ones, you want to run over some of our, our backups? We've, we've kind of already hinted at a lot of them, but you and I both came up with basically top 20 lists, whittled it down to six, and there are a lot of other favorite quotes that deserve honorable mentions. Yeah, I wouldn't say I put it in a 20 list. I more pulled those sixes out, and then I, I highlighted some other ones that uh, I felt d deserved a little love that maybe uh, 
because uh, they weren't going to get in the top six if it still wanted to show that. Okay, so we can go through some of these pretty quickly. We can talk about a couple of them at length if you wish, but we shouldn't uh, meander too, too much. Uh, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna go down my list in uh, movie release order, if that makes sense to you. Um, a New Hope, Luke asks Ben Kenobi if he knows Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Ben says, of course I know him, he's me. I think that's a, a, a wonderful, playful little line. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got one from Empire from Vader. I'm altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. Sure. That is so. And of course, Lando's like this deal gets keeps getting worse all the time. And it's <laughs> but it's such a menacing part from Vader. And Vader's got so many lines in that movie. And the and in Jedi, the Emperor is not as forgiving as I am. It's just so menacing. It's such a personal line because if somebody said that to you, you'd be like what <laughs> yeah. it would be so maddening if somebody oh, said that I know. To <laughs> but also if this guy just so happens to be a warlord you're kind of fucked you have to listen he knows that yeah uh luke complains to han this is early in there knowing each other complains about the the falcon's ability to outrun a star destroyer and han says watch your mouth kid or you'll find yourself floating home and yeah, this is early is a good one. this is early on when it's still like a novelty that these movies are about space and so the idea of like floating through space is like present in this early dialogue and i think that's cute yeah there are little bits of that as well and uh when like 3po and r2 are jettisoned to tatooine right uh another one that really was just outside of my top six uh from obi-wan uh in a new hope is uh who's the more foolish the fool or the fool who follows him oh good really yeah, good just just outside probably was in the in the seven eight range uh, he says to, to Han, and, and really an important one, seeing as Han is the one who's all hokey religions and uh, uh, ancient or hokey religions and ancient weapons, no match for a good blaster or whatever. But like it's it's important, and uh, it's a really telling line about uh, Obi Wan and the wisdom he's accrued over that period of time. It's almost a biblical line. Like speak of uh, oh. ancient religions, like it's 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 absolutely it's so fundamental in, in the lessons we learn. Uh, clearly, Han just missed my list in like a. Uh, in a in a big way um, he says in the trash compactor one thing's for sure we're all yes. gonna be a lot thinner i think that's yeah, that's, that's a great line great comedy line yeah really really enjoyed that one nothing more to say about uh, it it's just funny yeah a bunch of great yoda ones um difficult to see always in motion the future is a great warrior wars not make one great mm. um and then another one that's a little bit longer is uh and well you should not for my ally is the force, and a powerful ally it is. Life creates it, makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, mm. not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you, here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. Yes, even between this land and that ship. That's again that another instance of him saying you are nature. Yes, that was that was my, like, that one and the Obi-Wan were like my seven, eight, they were the ones that were like, I, I probably shouldn't put a third Yoda in my top. Um, and uh, it's just such a, a phenomenal uh, line and the way that he delivers it uh, and the pauses. Uh, it's just is very teaching and it builds on what you learn from Obi-Wan, but gets even more mystical. And the luminous beings are we, not this crude matter, something that I believe is one of the most fundamental um, parts of uh, Star Wars that I love to theorize and uh, and discuss, and the 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 death life balance between uh, Jedi and and the Sith and dark side and the light side, and so it's just a phenomenal quote. 
another Han, this one happens at the beginning of Return of the Jedi. He's just been rescued by Leia from carbon freezing. Chewie tells him that Luke is now a Jedi, and Han says, A Jedi Knight? I'm out of it for a little while. Everybody gets delusions of grandeur. And the delivery yeah. of the line is... I, I don't even know. It doesn't even sound like him. I guess because he's not usually... He hasn't usually lost his cool in such a way. Um, but it's just a... It's it's fantastic. Um, yeah, let's be, I'm going to skip now to the to the prequels. Okay, um, me too. Not, not many, actually. Uh, but uh, there's always a bigger fish. That's is, my next one. It's such a, such a good line. Yes. Um, another one near the top. Uh, it's just... It's important for, for the Phantom Menace especially... Uh, but for all of Star Wars and, and for life as well. And it goes to Qui-Gon's uh, peaceful mindedness, but also his understanding um, that you can be calm without being closed minded and not seeing what's around you. And Qui-Gon being the, the smartest one in that film and the one who's truly the only one aware to, to all of the big threats, um, but also able to stay peaceful and calm. Uh, it adds other layers to it in that regard. And it's also funny. Right. And you can, you can always expect to find another obstacle around the corner, perhaps a greater one than what you've already hurdled. Um, but you got to do that one first and then move on mm -hmm. to the next stage. And so it's, it's poetic and it's funny, which is the perfect combination. Um, this is another example of a character who, you know, you don't care about that much, although she matters a lot and she gets this incredible line. Anakin tells his mother before leaving Tatooine forever that he doesn't mm -hmm. want things to change. And she says, you can't stop the change any more than you can stop the suns from setting. And that's yeah. specifically Star Wars. It's it's also a great lesson for life. A uh, good mommy moment. Yeah, no, it's a really good mom and son moment. Um, one of the one of the most uh, important lessons that Anakin should have learned. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Had he not had he listened to it, uh, things would be very different. But Anakin lost her, and he lost uh, the father figure of Qui Gon that promised to take care, and then he only had a brother. That's right. Um, the next one comes from an actually much less important character. Okay. She is a goddamn Skywalker. She this. is. Um, this one comes from good old Dexter Jetster. Hey. Uh, good old Dex's diner. Uh, you know those Kaminoans. Uh, no, but uh, the line would be, I should think that you Jedi would have more respect for the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Oh, great. It's so great. It is such a good line. Yeah. Uh, and it really goes to show just how lost in their way they've been recently. Uh, it's very kind of in tune in that regard. Uh, but it's just a it's just a smart, smart quote um, and providing Obi-Wan little hints. And Attack of the Clones is just a bunch of Obi-Wan not seeing what's right in front of him, unfortunately, um, and being the good soldier too much. But Dexter is is a wise character, and it's interesting that he gets such a, an important line. Everything that he says is smart and important, even though it's in a silly kind of circumstance. Yeah, he's in the clothes of something so goofy. But uh, I mean, so, Yoda is the prime example of wonderful things come out of the the clothing of something so goofy. That's kind of the first lesson that we get from Yoda. Judge me not by my size, do you? Then it applies to the rest of the story. Have you ever heard um, it said before that... Uh, Knowledge is knowing that Dr. Frankenstein was not the monster. Wisdom was knowing that he was, mm. which is, yeah. kind of applies to this there too. Yeah, that is a really very powerful quote too as well. So uh, uh, important character. This happens at the end of uh, Phantom Menace. Palpatine says to Anakin and you young Skywalker, we will watch your career with great interest. This is very, oh, yeah. very important in Star Wars, uh, especially if you know what's coming because... He's, talk he's not talking about we at all. He's talking about little old me. 
Palpatine. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Palpatine's got some other great ones. There's power, unlimited power. I am the Senate. It's treason. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but a couple of like, Obi-Wans. Uh, not to worry. We're still flying half a ship. And right. another happy landing. Our other fun little ones, too, that are just great Star Wars lines. Um, Want to move to the sequels? Uh, sure. Or well, no, I, you know what? I, I did have another and talk about just like ancillary characters who, for some reason, get a great line. This comes from Queen Jamelia. She said, oh, yeah, this is a good line. She says, the day we stop believing democracy can work is the day we lose it. And, and this is yeah. one of those perfectly ap- applicable lines for, for the world in which we live. And it, George was working so hard to to deliver us some of his own feelings about mm-hmm. the state of the world when he was writing these movies. And it, not, there's, not all of it's for a loss. Some of it's amazing and wise. There's quite literally a character in the like separatist, um, like, uh, in, in in one of the the banks who's taking part of the separatists who's selling out the galaxy for wealth, uh, the name is Halle Burton, yeah. like Halliburton. Right. So George Lucas was being very clear as to who he hates. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's that's like an oil tycoon or a fuel person. Yeah, that was the uh, oil company that um, uh, what was his name Dick Cheney benefited from. Right. Um, he was like president or something before he was, and so yeah. Um, before we move on to the to the sequels, I actually have a Rogue One quote that I wanted to slip in here. Sure, we can slip in the Rogue One, but I also have one from Newt Gunray that I think is great for just all criminals who suck. But foul, she can't do that. Shoot her or something. <laughs> it's just great because it's it's like, come on, we we don't want to play by the rules. How come she's not playing by them? We she's play by our rules. It's just a fun one because they're so pathetic. But the, I thought that was always funny. The Viceroy. Nobody talks about the Viceroy and maybe it's for the best. Yeah. I assume your quote from Rogue One is, I, I shouldn't say I assume, it could be the same as mine, but what is it? Uh, it takes place in Vader's castle, he says to Director Krennic. No. Uh, be careful not to choke on your aspirations, Director, which is just Star Wars. That's Yeah, that's a good Star Wars one. That's a fun yeah. one. No, I believe the, the best line from Rogue One um, is from Chirrut and it's there is more than one sort of prison captain I sense that you carry yours wherever you go that is real good real yeah. good <laughs> that's, that's, real good that's real good I like that a lot I don't Chirrut even really is, remember that that's excellent he's such a good character yeah he is so good um I got nothing from Solo for obvious reasons not a thing I have one okay. I have one from Kira um and I, I I did write a couple other smaller ones down but like the one from Kira that John will mention is uh it's not that kind of game, Han. The object isn't it isn't to win. It's just to stay in it as long as you can. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a that's a good line. She's a very a character that I've grown to like much more than the movie over time. Me too. That, um, that's my that's my sustaining feelings about Solo. Is what about Kira? Yeah, what about Kira? And uh, I'm glad that you were willing to bring Ball back to the movies now. Do it in a different way or something. Don't make it so that he's just like sitting in his chair and calling his lightsaber to him. So, uh, I did want to throw one also uh, nice call out to Mando. Okay. Uh, and that would be from Kuil. Droids are not good or bad. They are neutral reflections of those who imprint them. Yeah, that's nice. That's yeah. really good. I didn't go through my quotes from, from Mandalorian. I just got a couple of quotes I wanted to mention from the sequel trilogy. Um, this one's not poetic. I Maybe I don't even like the line. I just like the delivery. Kylo Ren, having become supreme leader of the First Order, is in full rage and seethes from the commanding deck as he sees the Millennium Falcon enter the fray and screams, <laughs> blow that piece of junk out of the sky. And yeah. it's a great line delivery. You could do a lot of that with Kylo Ren. It's not so much the line as it is the reading. 
you're right. Um, like we're not done yet. Yeah. I love, we're not done yet. Yeah. That's another really good one. Yeah. He's got a lot of those ones. Um, and even some of the stuff like the, I'm being torn apart. I want to be free of this pain. I know what I have to do, but I don't have the strength to do it. It's an okay line, but it's only because he's such a damn good actor that he can pull it off. Yep. Um, uh, the two big uh, honorable mentions I have from the sequel trilogy are, uh, I've mentioned this one before, it's from Francis Gress, uh, and it's not a Navy, sir. It's just people. You love that line. You always did. Yeah, from Rise of Skywalker. Uh, best line in the movie. It's just a phenomenal take on uh, what that movie was trying to highlight about that it doesn't, system, the, the rebellion can be more than just the small group of misfits. People as an overall, if everybody um rises up good people will fight if we lead them sort of thing and that people aren't necessarily going to be bystanders there needs to be like evil doesn't always just get to win it it can't just always get to win and eventually uh if you don't if 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 you're not making people happy then things will change um hopefully for the better eventually even if all else feels lost i forget who said this quote and i would have to paraphrase it anyway but it's something to the effect of Never underestimate uh, a small group of uh, impassioned individuals' ability to invoke real change. In fact, they're the only thing that, the only thing that ever have. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not a Star that, Wars quote. It's just like a thing people say, and it's yeah, it's meaningful. Yeah, it, it really is. And I think Lando does a good job of kind of bringing up points like that to Poe when he's just like, "We had each other." Um, <laughs> um, okay, and my only other one that I wanted to mention before we get to our finals. Uh, I have number, one too, yeah. Number ones. Um, because I didn't really give enough attention to Palpatine, frankly. And and he does say some amazing things. Now, weirdly, I chose one from Rise of Skywalker, but it is just a good Star Wars line. Uh, he says in his final moments of power, let your death be the final word in the story of rebellion. And that's, yeah. that's everything about Palpatine in one sentence. Yeah, stand together, die together. My boy, I made Snoke. I've been every voice you've ever heard inside your head. Uh, those are some good ones, um, uh, certainly from Palpatine there. And, of course, his Darth Plagueis lines and so much from Revenge of the Sith. Um, but that's also a little bit, once again, of the delivery um, from uh, Ian McDermott as well. But the one other one I wanted to mention was from Snoke. Uh, and that would be Skywalker lives, the seat of the Jedi Order lives, and as long as it does, hope lives in the galaxy. I thought you would be the one to snuff it out. Alas, you're no Vader. You're just a child in a mask. Yeah, that's good. It's so like cut deep, like you pathetic little bitch. You're not what I've been waiting for. And it's of course Snoke through Palpatine trying to taunt him further to like, hey, Vader Vader was like back to my other quote a little earlier, Vader didn't challenge me. He never stood up for me for right. 20 years. Luke did. And as long as he's out there, they still can, because he's the only one who ever has. And so I'm going to piss you off until you do it too so I can at least see if one of you guys can get like enough spine to kill me finally. Well, And, and so that's what happens. It, it's funny too because they so have Kylo's number when they say that. Like, Oh yeah. It, that's everything he doesn't want to be is just a child in a mask. But oh, in, yeah. in a weird way, he's more like his grandfather than he may even realize because Anakin too was just a child in a mask. He had been mm-hmm. manipulated and, and he was manipulated forever. And so that's that's kind of the irony of of uh ren's great dissatisfaction with his his legacy oh absolutely i mean there's 
there's a lot to Kylo Ren that's tormented and also possessed now as well to a degree. So it, uh, it makes the character interesting too. So I want to tell you my favorite quote from Star Wars. And I, I don't really want to soften this by saying that my opinions can change with the wind. They can, but I have always loved this line. I love it more mm-hmm. now than ever. I'm, I, I, I like really labored over this for like an hour and a half today. Oh, wow. Um, and, and I'm really surprised that my favorite Star Wars quote comes from this movie or from this person. But on the other hand, this movie means a lot to me because of how old I am and because of what my childhood looked like. Yeah. Uh, the quote doesn't speak to me personally. I just think it's, I, th- I think maybe it's a richer line than a lot of people give it credit for. Uh, and it happens uh, when Padme is first meeting Anakin and she asks him, you're a slave? And, oh. he's, and he says, I'm a person and my name is Anakin. How long have you been here? Since I was very little. Three, I think. My mom and I were sold to Gardula the Hutt. But she lost us betting on the pod races. You're a slave? I'm a person and my name is Anakin. I'm sorry. I don't fully understand. This is a strange place to me. And I think oh, a, that is a very good one. A lot gets said, and by me as much as anyone, uh, the George Lucas talent uh, kind of stops at the writing of dialogue that he could do so much imaginatively and with cinema, but that he wasn't a good dialogue writer. There's cases where that, I mean, that case can be made, but mm. I think it's an oversimplification because George was always a really gifted allegorical writer, and his feelings on the state of our world, we were just talking about mm. this. They're never more evident than they are in the prequel scripts. Um, he's like a social and political commentator. Um, as you said, that's that's very explicit. Like if you know what's going on in the Bush administration, that's ex- that's explicit in in some of these movies. Um, mm-hmm. And it, Vietnam with the Ewoks. Absolutely, it's always been there, and it, it kind of yeah. makes you wonder how would that have been present in the sequel trilogy if he had mm. the opportunity to put a stamp on it. But I think that particular value exists in this short little quip of Anakin's to kind of show that he's feisty. It also conveys a tremendous amount of character and heart. And beyond his enslavement by Watto on Tatooine, which is short-lived in our exposure, Anakin Mm. is never for his whole life not used as a pawn to further someone else's agenda. And he he recognizes that at nine years old. He -hmm. knows it right away. And he's never able to overcome being... Uh, pushed around by the by the really strict Jedi Order, or by Palpatine, or by mm-hmm. the literal confinement of his breathing problems in his suit and this this uh, mammoth legend that he has to live up to. Mm-hmm. And I th- I think the fact that he knows that as a naive little nine year old just serves the tragic story of Anakin Skywalker all the better. All he ever was was a person owed the basic dignities of life, and he knew that. And so I think that he could look at this woman who he would eventually love and go mm-hmm. evil for and, and tell her, no, I'm a human. Please don't mm-hmm. forget that. That's everything Anakin is. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, that must, uh, I must have slipped that or it would have been an anonymous mention for sure. That's a phenomenal, phenomenal line. Uh, and it's like you said, and, and you said it so perfectly, it's, uh, he's a prisoner always. Yep. Uh, he's never able to do what he wants. Um, he's taken away from the mother that he loves. It's the only thing that he's known that's been positive in his life. And then he falls in love and he's not allowed to have that. And he has to serve a war instead. 
Um, and then he's told, no, you have to side with your coworkers, the guy who's treated you like a son and uh, the woman that you love. No, that's not where your focus should be. You got to focus on uh, doing what we say, even though we don't always practice what we preach. Yeah. Um, and that's like, wait a minute, you guys are telling me I'm the most powerful ever and you guys don't practice what you preach. But I have to, even though you guys have ripped me away from good things that you guys just don't have. Uh, wait a minute, Kiati Mundi, his species is going extinct, so he gets to have six wives because he just gets <laughs> to keep his species alive. Not fair. Yeah, no, not like so. It's um, no, that, that's a truly, truly powerful line because it, it can. It goes back to Anakin in Revenge of the Sith. That's not fair. This is outrageous. Uh, take a seat, young Skywalker. And it's, once again, it's like the from Watto to 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 Windu to to always somebody kind of keeping him down in that regard. And that goes back to the the line of uh, "Let me look upon you with my own eyes." And um, yeah, it all comes full circle there. Yeah, I, th I think you said it best. He's he's never able to do what he wants. He's always under someone else's thumb. And maybe leaving with Qui Gon, he he was right to assume that he could break away from that. Of course, Qui Gon. We, we we don't know what he would have been like under Qui-Gon's tutelage. Hopefully, We do now. We do. Well, Dave Filoni interpreted it for us. Okay. And if, he, if Dave Filoni says that if Qui-Gon had lived to raise an Anakin, Anakin would not have fallen to the dark side, then I believe George Lucas has told him that, and I believe that's the case. Okay, fair enough. I, I, then, yeah, it's even, it, then it's even sadder. He just never caught a break in his whole life. Yeah, absolutely, because that's the name of the song, Duel of the Fates. So it's the fates of, it's fate of Anakin Skywalker. Oh, I never even thought of that. That's freaking amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's great. Um, All right, well, I said so, my piece. It's time for you to say your favorite Star Wars quote. My favorite Star Wars quote comes uh, from a movie I've referenced in my top six already here and a movie that I, uh, I've given a lot of crap to. I've given a lot of crap to because it's got some problems and it's got some bad dialogue. Um, but at the same time, there is one consistent character who doesn't have bad dialogue <laughs> and he's got a scene and it's uh, one of my favorite scenes in all star Wars. But, uh, the quote would be, yes, failure. Most of all, the greatest teacher failure is failure. Also, yes, failure. Most of all, the greatest teacher failure is. <laughs> We are what they grow beyond. That is the true burden of all masters. Luke, we are what they grow beyond. That is the true burden of all masters. And I think that, that is so deeply important in Star Wars and in life and in everything, um, but especially about... You must pass on what you have learned. It's uh, kind of bringing up elements of that, but also that you want to create a better world for the people beyond you to succeed more than you ever could. And the Sith view it as um, you pass on the knowledge that you have so you have the student to crave the power um, and the master to have it. And the student's strong enough that they can kill the master to take it, then they can continue on because they don't, they don't long, no longer need the master. But for a true teacher, they have to carry the burden of students succeeding beyond uh, their capability. And the, the only way that they can succeed 
is people leaving them? Is people uh, going on to do other things? Is people succeeding and or failing? Uh, in Yoda's case, it's very frequent. It's people dying because he's 900 years old. And so we are what they grow beyond. In the case of both him and uh, Luke, he's telling Luke also that you're not too far behind. You're coming where, where you're going to meet me soon on the other side of this. And we don't, we're here forever. Mm -hmm. And so they will always grow beyond us. We are in the interworld. We are past. We are legacy now. We need to be legacy so that the world can continue to grow and move forward. And so it's, it's just such an important line. Um, and someone brought this up recently on a podcast. Um, uh, I forget which one it was, but it was that The Last Jedi, and, and this was a great way of describing it. The Last Jedi was the first movie from Star Wars that's not about just growing up. It's about growing old. Um, wow. And it is. And yeah. I've always loved the Luke Skywalker arc in that movie. Uh, and my problems come with the other, with some other stuff. Um, but I think it, it really goes and shows a, a truly wonderful perspective on the guy who was uh, always looking to the future, never on the present. Uh, and Yoda kind of always kind of laughing at that as well, but still in the same point of like, yeah, you're looking to the future, but I need you to look at the back now because that's the whole point for you now. Your legacy. You need to be good legacy so that the future is even stronger because if you're not your legacy, then what does the future have to learn from you? It'll, it won't grow beyond you because it won't grow. Mm. And so if you can succeed as a teacher, then Ray will succeed far beyond what you can and you don't need to you don't, you don't need to be the one to go out with the laser sword. You just need to be Luke Skywalker again so that when she needs to, she can. And it, it's just such an incredible moment. And that was one thing I just was, I had an ear to ear smile on my face, um, wide eyed in the theater watching that the first time. I still have a vivid memory of the, of the first time uh, Yoda popped up in The Last Jedi. And I think I was still viewing that trilogy you know, still in the first half of the trilogy, essentially, uh, with rose-colored glasses. I'm like, everything that happens here is going to be great, and and that that's kind of an exciting time. Uh, but they were able to surprise me in that moment because mm. we didn't know what was coming at all. No, nope. we didn't have enough context to know what's coming for the story of of Luke. Certainly not for little Easter eggs like like Yoda popping up, but and no leaks. And when he drops, we are what they grow beyond. Like. I mean, there's a lot of great lines in Star Wars. We've said only a fraction of them tonight. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that the poetry of that, just the, phrase, the phraseology part, of that yeah. is, is like, that's another level of language. It's, I don't know who's responsible for it. If it's Ryan Johnson, it, it, it is, it is mm. another linguistic level that someone can hang their hat on, hopefully forever. Yeah, it's it's just true poetry, and it comes to to the family side of things as well. Uh, the sequel trilogy being about the sins of the father, but also the successes of of past generations, and also creating that in a in a better way moving forward as well. Uh, ben Solo has the capability to be greater than than any Jedi ever, and he squanders it. But at that same capability, he does in the end come back because no one's ever really gone. And uh, Ray also rises to that same occasion. So it, it, it does connect things really nicely. And, and Yoda is that, that moral compass that, that really is consistent start to finish. It's, I hear babies crying. I watch them grow. They'll yeah. learn much more than I'll ever know. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Absolutely. And it's absolutely that. And I think that is a pretty damn good way of, of viewing the world. So.
We Good job, Star Wars. would love for you to send us your top six favorite Star Wars quotes. You can tweet us at Recorder66 or email us Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. So we came up with a new segment we'd like to introduce today, a new kind of topic that we want to revisit every single week, and we're calling this Neverending Saga. No, there is another. This is an opportunity to begin beating out what comes next post episode nine. Whether or not you're satisfied with that as an ending, I just don't believe it is one. And so let's talk about what should come next. Well, when should it come next? I guess that's the I guess that's the big question. So what are what are the the time differences between the three trilogies we have thus far? What's the time difference between uh prequel and prequel and equal trilogy? Is it seventeen years? Eighteen? Nineteen. Nineteen. Time difference between six and seven. 30. So we can play around in that uh, ballpark or we can do something really radical and go like generations beyond. But we have to decide whether or not this should still be like a Skywalker story or, or mm. a Palpatine story. And, and that, that kind of implicates your, your timeline. Well, I think really though, if you are to continue on um, the saga and that's the, that's really the thing. It's, it's a matter of, are you continuing on and in episode 10? If something is to be called episode 10, it needs to carry a certain weight and connectivity. Now, is that going to necessarily be the Skywalker saga? I don't know. Is it like that's that's kind of maybe a question angle, but something does need to have it consistent that it allows it to be episode 10. So what is that uh, kind of that in, in, inciting angle? Is it a descendant of Skywalker? Is it... Uh, those lightsabers themselves being discovered by somebody else? Um, is it a connection through the villains? It, like, how, how does it make sense? And also, like, with those, the main actors, like, are, are, are they, like, how do, what role do they play in the story? And do they play a role in the story? Right. I, I mean, I, I, think, I think to tonally keep up with the attachment of the series, there needs to be some overlapping characters and we can't just rely on Maz Kanata who lives forever. Yeah. I, 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 I kind of feel like we're going to need to have a little Daisy Ridley in this movie. Yeah. And so then it's a matter of how old, like, do she they, could, she could be old. Well, but then if, when are you going to make it, do you make it like when she is really old, do you age him up a little bit? Do we wait? Is it like something that's done in 20 years and then you have the free reign that you can make her, 10 years older, all the way up to 40 years older with a little bit of, um, kind of digital enhancement. Um, what about Finn? Finn, Ray, who's the, like, how's the kind of art carried over there? Finn's alternatively, alternatively, you can retire those actors. Uh, and, and, and I'm not saying recast the characters. I'm just saying, um, they can be referenced as the founders of the new order of of the Jedi, or 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 you know what, like because because this ultimately is the Skywalker saga, and that needs to exist in some way, however symbolic or, um, yeah, symbolic. Uh, we decide on Ray is now the existing Skywalker, but yeah. but maybe, you know, maybe as as one of his 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 last motivations, Luke Skywalker 
decreed that the Jedi were deeply flawed and the Jedi should be disbanded. And this should be your new philosophy on what on what it means to have the Force and wield it as one of these powerful knights. And so maybe going forward, Skywalker is not a person. It is the faith. Maybe Jedis aren't a thing anymore. And now you're he's a Skywalker master. Skywalker. Yeah, a lot of people have kind of theorized that and thought that, that was what the rise of Skywalker was going to kind of mean. Um, I don't know if that necessarily. I don't think you need to to kill the name Jedi. I think that that I think that's one of the reasons why the title is a terrible title, "The Last Jedi," because it's not the last Jedi. It even says it in the movie. I will not be the last Jedi, uh, and I think it's to show that the Jedi weren't flawed. It was that over time, anyone in an institution, uh, the, and I think. The, the sacred texts are also maybe supposed to kind of link back to a more accurate time when they're not as bureaucratic or involved in, in politics in, in a problematic way. And so, I don't know, I think Jedi, I think Jedi is important. And also when it comes to a perspective of, we're not going to kill the word Jedi. I think you can kill the word Sith a hell of a lot quicker. Okay, well, the, the two previous trilogies to this one, to episode 10, begin with the Jedi being non-existent. That's a dormant mm -hmm. faith. It's just the stuff of, of legend. So I think we need to bookend yes. with uh, kind of Mirror of the Phantom Menace where it is a prosperous, existent thing again. Small um, in like the, the dozens versus the 10,000, but not the like two <laughs> of the sequel trilogy. So you, you advocate for putting Rey in this movie. I, I guess so. I think it probably makes sense. It's a or, matter or of... Or Ray's like, kid. Ray and Finn's kid or something. Well, I mean, well, that's... The, you mean in terms of, like, not having them and been having, like, their... Like, having a, a, her child be old as hell as well sort of thing? Uh, Well, that that would be what I mean. Like, like they are already gone, and Ray's granddaughter is now 18 and is ready for the hero's journey. Okay, well, why why are we waiting so long sort of thing? Why is it, um, what's going to be the thing that kind of brings things back in that regard? This is all stuff we have to figure out. But that's why timing is important. Yeah, but I don't know how we can decide on that until we have. I don't think you, I think you make it like 100, you either make it like 20 to 30 years or like 100 to 150 years. Okay, but if it's 100 to 150 years, how does Skywalker enter this fold? The lightsabers. You like that, eh? You like, yeah, that, you like that either way? No, not necessarily. Um, but I think it's one of the only ways that if you're going to... Di Actually, I don't like that either way because I think you either, you're putting the, the Luke and Leia to rest with it or you're putting the nine movies to rest with those sabers in which case if you're putting those nine movies to rest you almost want to put the characters to rest with them including ray um but if you're just burying luke and leia's legacy then ray can move on with new characters that's kind of the way i see it it's like that that there is symbolism of it it's a matter of you, you gotta we have to figure out where's the appropriate place to pick off what is the what are the loose threads like there are a lot of loose threads of episode nine but like what more of Ray's story is there? What more of Finn's story is there that's important? Or is the stories that are going to be important um, are not, they're not going to be necessarily. Like, I, I, Star Wars is about family, though, at the same time. 
I know, so, but I think th- I think their story is over. I'm not saying you couldn't tell more story with them, but like whether you're happy with the ending or not, she is satisfied in the end. Like like she is wrapped up. Palpatine's not. I don't care that he's dead. That's an incomplete story. And so as well as it's the Skywalker saga, it's the Palpatine saga. We kind of need to it's an opportunity well, how- to complete that. Well, yeah, I think you can fill in some play. I think, like, even like in an episode eleven, you could do like Godfather two, and like have like a thirty minute flashback. In oh, it or I something. like that idea. That's pretty cool. And you can do like, and I think there's definite ways in which you can explain some things beyond there. Um, I guess it's just a matter of like the the family side of things is very important to Star Wars in that regard. So, is it like when it comes to is it mighty Skywalker blood that continues onward or is it more so um, the, the, the message and the legacy in that regard? And then what's the significance of these new characters and what, why do we care about them and why are they deserving of episode 10 versus just some other storyline in star Wars? Right. Uh... And also none of them want to do star Wars anymore, but that won't be necessarily the case. And, I'm not, to I'm, not years. I'm not worried about that. I'm just kind of trying to figure out how to make the best episode 10. Yeah, I know that. But um, just logically in terms of the characters themselves, they the Jedi Order isn't a thing. It's kind of a blank slate at the moment, but Finn isn't a Jedi yet. We don't know about anything of his story particular there. Um I don't know. I think you. I think you maybe need to keep. Okay. All right. Okay. I think. I think they need to still be alive. I think it can. He probably has to be another. But you need another hero. You need another. You, we're. We're. Are we going to agree that the hero should be another young person? And should they be from from nowhere again? Well, and that's the thing. Like, wh- like is it gonna? If we're gonna be fan, if if it's gonna be family, then I guess it kind of has to be family of Ray or Finn. Right. Yeah. Well, and then we're going to fall underneath the trap of are they going to be the good guy or are they going to be the bad guy? Well, they can be the friend. That's the archetype they haven't been. You know, they uh, weirdly, the Skywalker has never been the Han Solo. Well, I well, I what if you do what if you do two again? What if you give Ray um, like twins born of the force? Yeah. Like you like have them no no father i mean make them have dark hair um and like a very distinguished nose so that it's in it's it's implied that the the force through ben solo okay. uh, is logically and that right. they are to a degree also a, a skywalker by blood in that regard or by the force um bestowment um and then you can kind of continue the story on that way um that can give you a little bit more kind of maybe you can make that a bit more of the focus in that it's actual siblings. Um, Luke and Leia don't really realize they're siblings until the very end. And then they don't have too much interaction in the sequel trilogy. Right. Obi-Wan and Anakin are kind of like brothers, but they're not really. Um, okay. Siblings could be interesting. Yeah. I like that. But then are we doing Cain and Abel? You could kind of. Okay. Well, to a degree. 
Um, then again, do you want to have like you don't necessarily want to have one? Well, you don't want to have one kill the other <laughs> uh, in Canadian style. But maybe you do. I don't know. That's pretty intense. Yep, it is. And then it's a matter of do you end it in a positive way, the trilogy, or do you end it in a negative way? You kind of have to end it in a positive way. Like, what are the lessons that someone who turns to the dark side is going to have? Like, do you get it to a point where it's Anakin chops off Mace Windu's hand, and then as opposed <laughs> to saying, what have I done? I'll be your humble servant. It's, what have I done? Put up your lightsaber. Let's go. I can't believe I just did that. But like, or like something where it's like somebody, like you do a, a, a less intense trip to the dark side or um, because it's, it's these big, large redemption swings and different things. Like people can learn lessons in different ways. And I don't necessarily need to, if you need to have the same like good guy, bad guy sort of. Well, maybe it's like I was saying type. before. Yeah, maybe we don't need to fall into those tropes so easily. But there still yeah. needs to be a, a a big bad. There needs to be a villain. There needs to be a uh, a looming, uh, uh, you know, like a puppet master who is creating uh, danger Dark for the galaxy. The yes. Okay. So that's how you bring Palpatine back. Then that's yes. that's 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 how that story exists. That's how you are able to integrate how Plagueis survives. Explains also how Palpatine survives. Yeah. And then you can do some flashbacks to integrate their stories a little bit more together. Um, and then Darth Plagueis also, like maybe, maybe he just disavows the Sith mm. and becomes obsessed with other elements of the dark side. And okay. so I, I'm like, like he's just obsessed with death as opposed to power. So I don't know, but like well, you can do different things that give different motivations that explain why he's been able to patiently wait for Palpatine to try and take over the galaxy. Why are he's coming back now? Then it might be nice if he mirrors Palpatine's original story in the Phantom Menace as an insider who we at first trust. We don't yes. realize he's Darth Plagueis the Wise. That's we kind of we kind of miss one of those twists. Well, I think then you go in a little bit more of a intentional twist. Like we all knew that like Palpatine was the Emperor. Sure. Um, but like not Jar Jar, but you can do a Darth Jar Jar kind of. I think it would be wise to do something like that. Maybe not so like, on the I, nose and not so goofy as no, that. Of course not, but something where it's so, like and even like you don't like you would never in a million years like that would be like if Maz Kanata turns out to be a Sith Lord sort of thing like after the first like episode yeah. seven it doesn't sure shit doesn't seem likely but oh she had a lightsaber she was involved in the story arc she was moving things in a certain direction it's not insanely ridiculous if you are able to play things up in the right way so. no that's right we need we need for on the inside there to be like a sagely kind mm -hmm. of uh, Max von Sydow type guy. Yep. Who you trust? You're given reason to trust him right from the beginning, only mm -hmm. to have that betrayed. Um, maybe not even in episode ten. No, I don't think you would. Yeah, I think you would have it as something that um, episode eleven or twelve, and then that can really create some some turmoil in people, and also can create some divide as to why people would have different trust in different things and, and like different challenges and lessons to learn and morals of the story. Um, so is he returning now because he sees that the Jedi are finally making a, a successful comeback and that's unacceptable? I don't know. That's interesting. Uh, or is he maybe, 
Well, we also have to explain that why he's patient, more patient. Yeah. Why is he more why, what kind of patience level? Like he's he's got to live a hell of a lot longer than Palpatine does. He's got to be one of those these creatures that can live forever, like yeah. super long. He's obsessed with literally living forever, but like he's got to be somebody who does have a long lifespan naturally. Of well, some he's sorts. he's learned that patience is essential. Like he like you yeah. said, he has he has abandoned his old his old methods. Yeah, he has to have of, of, of some sorts because Palpatine is all the Sith. So if he's all the Sith, then if Darth Plagueis, is, is, is she, he has to be something else. Yes, he has to be a dark, but something else. He maybe he always, chosen. maybe he always was. Well, and that's the thing. These are some of the cool, interesting things that Colin Trevorrow kind of hints at in his Duel of the Fates script. Yeah, which are like really interesting. I and mean, it was only kind of done like a little shoddily because it's in the last episode. Um, but I think there's some things there that can make sense where like. He was obsessed with like, like life force draining, and so like I don't know, Darth Plagueis, I don't know exactly how that's done, but he needs he needs them for something. Yeah, he needs something to accomplish his ability to be immortal. Um, maybe he needs a he needs a Skywalker for something. He realizes by them being chosen, like they're chosen ones because they're born of no they're born of no father in that regard well and that's good because that just that just continues the theme of the skywalkers are just so craved by the evil Mm. because of how pure they are yeah and then you can um i mean who who knows but the the need to utilize a skywalker somebody who's able to become more in tune with the force than anyone else in the galaxy can um could be a very interesting thing like something some something that he access to something um like they're a key almost yes. and so they need to be of age and so it's grooming maybe 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 darth plagueis knows them from from like birth uh, maybe darth plagueis was in the sequel trilogy um as a background character but just is now retroactively going to be darth plagueis who has been looming uh and and he probably had something to do with the return of palpatine which is which is has not been resolved maybe for us. maybe that's interesting because like were they still in cahoots he said he killed them no um, or maybe he wasn't palpatine what do you mean maybe he wasn't palpatine in 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 rise of skywalker maybe that was well, he was a clone yeah okay that's true that was kind of covered for us although not very extensively no no not at all um but maybe you show like a little bit of a misdirect like palpatine is, was obsessed with technology uh, and set science. Yeah. And Darth Plagueis was obsessed with doing it a different way. And when Palpatine kills him, he uh, is able to stay on death's door. Right. And is able to hang out there. And uh, I don't know, then does something else and is able to focus in the background on something else. Or well, what if we just car- like carbon freezes himself? And what if we just start this thing in purgatory? Ooh, he's just that's, been there for a long time. Well, you can't really have a purgatory because that's one of the key things with Darksiders is they it's it's the the clinging to the flesh. Right. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, well, that's easy. And, we can find we can find a body for him somewhere. Yeah, and so um, I don't know. Do you like? It, it can be something where you. Well, I mean, you wouldn't want to start it out that way because then we're learning more about who they are. But You're right. um, you can definitely do some, I guess, kind of... I think you do, if you are to do a big flashback, you you start out. You definitely start out from him being dead. 
Okay. You I start out from the murder of Darth Plagueis and show that didn't happen. That's uh, as far as we're going to go uh, for that segment this week. Let's talk about the news really quickly. Yeah. Well, there's nothing in the news. Okay. Uh, at, at all. Um, there are some some Mandalorian books coming out. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so there's going to be some other stories there and like visual dictionaries and stuff too. So that'll be cool. Uh, John Boyega gave the same Oscar Isaac sort of thing. Uh, in, in the sense that he said, uh, someone tweeted him, would you have a green lightsaber in your next movie? And he's like, ah, move past that now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but is what it is. Uh, and of course he's moved past that at this current point in his life, but well, yeah. also give it 25 years, give it 20 years. We'll see. The world will be very, like, very different. Um, you could, it doesn't matter if he's the most high demand actor in the world. Star Wars can still afford to pay him. And if he's the high, most high demand actor in the world, Star Wars is going to be like, yes, he's so popular. Right. And 15 years ago, I never could have imagined wanting Hayden Christensen back in a Star Wars movie, but I do. So badly. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see yeah. what happens. We'll see. Absolutely. Uh, and also, one other thing I wanted to mention, uh, and this is not news, but just personal news is I did finish Thrawn Treason and holy crap what a disappointing end to that trilogy oh, of books. Oh too bad that's really too yeah, bad. I'd say the last 40% of the book could have been 10% the last 10% of the book it was just dragged on it was the longest one in the in the trilogy it was nowhere near as good as the first two doesn't take anything from away from the first two because they were awesome but like wow disappointing by comparison um there's a new thrawn trilogy that's a prequel though that's coming out uh so i'm excited to read that uh, but i did decide to change it up and uh in kind of preparation because i knew we were going to do this i did start listening to the darth plagueis audiobook and so i'm a couple chapters into that cool um and that does start out with uh darth plagueis's murder Great. um it, it does start out with uh something like in the first few like words like the like the silky blood pours over like the table as uh Sheev palpatine stands looming over the corpse of like it's 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 it starts right into it <laughs> okay great so maybe we'll, we'll be able to pull some inspiration from that going forward yeah potentially and it's apparently very mob boss like and a lot of mafia-esque tendencies uh and so i mean hell uh any godfather like notions in episode 11 would certainly be on part <laughs> All right, I want to wish a happy birthday on Thursday, July 23rd to Woody Harrelson, who could have been Beckett. Uh, any other thoughts on this week's podcast? I don't think so. My God, we we probably doubled our, our last podcast in length, but we're still feeling out this new format. Um, definitely send us your top six favorite Star Wars quotes or, or any amount that stand out to you um, and your thoughts on, on our picks. Again, you can tweet us at Recorder66 or email us uh, recorder66podcast at gmail.com rate and review on your preferred podcast app because uh, that helps us be found by other Star Wars fans and until we are together again may the force be with you